Welcome in to the uh, newest episode of the Hoth Hangout podcast. We just watched a few moments ago the season finale of Andor, uh, season one, episode 12. It was, a, I thought, a really good episode. We're going to uh, talk about it, break it down a little bit today. But first of all, Joey, uh, it's good to see you. I've been with you for the past few hours, but nonetheless, it's, <laughs> it's good to see you and and um, we had some fun watching the episode. We're excited to break it down. But how's your day? Uh, how's your day been so far? What's new with you? Pretty, pretty good. Um, as you know, Fall Guys dropped yesterday mm. outside of our Star Wars Hoth Hangout world. Yeah, and it was fun seeing everyone's reactions to it. Um, I actually hadn't watched any Twitch or Twitter or anything all day yesterday because I was streaming late last night to make sure that I had the full experience of, you know, seeing everything for the first time. So that was pretty cool. But now that I'm able to look at everyone else's stuff, I'm like, oh, wow, there's all these skips and speed runs already. So that's <laughs> a lot of fun to see. Um, but yeah, now we just watched the last episode of Andor. Yeah, it's uh, I would say the past 24 hours have been pretty good. Yeah, it seems like yesterday especially, and as a side note, uh, if, you're, if you're here just because you're a Star Wars fan, first of all, we appreciate you. Uh, but second of all, if you want to check out either of our Twitch streams, we both do stream over there on Twitch, um, which is what we were talking about here a second ago. But it seemed like a lot of video game uh, updates came out yesterday, at least with a couple different games I play. There were like really big updates, with, of course, with Fall Guys and Dead by Daylight had a big update. And um, Just Dance came out. <laughs> yeah, well. Just Dance. You know, there's a I, I giggle because anyways, there's an inside joke I have with someone about Just Dance as a game, but. I, I did play it growing up, and I actually kind of like that game. But Oh, uh, you have enough room to stream that in the background there? Yeah, let me just get my VR headset out, and we'll do a little <laughs> yes. stance. Um, well, maybe in the future we can, we, can, uh, <laughs> we can touch base on just dance here on the <laughs> podcast as well. Um, but like I said, we just watched the 12th episode together. Um, pretty enjoyable episode overall. Lots to break down in this one. Uh, we kind of had all these stories all these individuals all these people who we've seen throughout the show uh coming together to this one spot for the first time with very few exceptions i don't think there was really and maybe one exception um saw is one that we briefly mentioned with each other that didn't make a showing in this last episode but uh, basically everyone on on ferrix it was really cool to see also as a side note i was wondering about this um ferrix is the name of the planet correct not the city i believe that's right I believe that's correct. Do we know the name of the city? I don't know if we do. Okay. It's always been referred to as Ferex, even when Marva was talking about... Right. Um, You know, well, her, her Hollow was talking about, you know, Ferex, fighting for Ferex. Yeah. Part of Ferex. They're named the Daughters of Ferex. I mean, I, I, I don't... Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's ever been mention right. of uh, what town they are in. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the things I mentioned to you, I think right as soon as we finished uh, watching the episode together, which, by the way, if you're watching this and you haven't watched the, the reaction episode, that's uploaded in live right now, uh, if you're interested in watching that after this one's over. Um, but something I mentioned to you was that the cinematicness, if you will, of this episode, I specifically wrote down, where did I write it? I said, um, I said first, oh, I said opening of the episode felt very cinematic. Meaning that mm -hmm. it felt more like I was watching like the climax of a movie rather yep. than watching uh, <clears throat> like an episode of a Star Wars TV show. Um, so especially that first 10 minutes or so, I, I really enjoyed kind of that, that storytelling, the way they brought it all together. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, what, what was something, I guess, that stood out to you about early on in the episode? <clears throat> uh, I mean, really just throughout the entire episode, you know, I would agree with that cinematic feel to it especially the whole sequence of the musicians coming down the two roads mm -hmm. um you're i mean that had to be like five to eight minutes long <laughs> of that yeah. of them just walking down the roads while prepping first doing their sound check which you and i both said that sounds horrible right now but i don't know maybe it's supposed to sound like that um French horns are canon now, apparently, in uh, Star Wars. <laughs> really, like, janky-looking French horns. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And flutes. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that whole scene kind of reminds me of, actually, what is it, in Game of Thrones, 
the shame shame you remember that yeah they were walking yeah. and had that kind of the slow walk through the roads there and you and i mentioned a few times how how great this just that whole set looks um uh you know it had some feel of uh wait what did you say you said it it felt like you had seen it before some of those stairs oh this just... there was a certain stairwell that they showed in the episode that i thought it had reminded me of of a scene on Canto Bite. Canto Bite, that's what it was. Um, right, yeah. But there was a very but specific mention... shot. Yeah, they yeah, we yeah, got so a Canto did... Bite reference. Yeah. When uh when we find out that Perrin is um has problems with the horses or <laughs> <laughs> likes to gamble a little bit too much. Um but yeah, I mean overall cinematically it was it was beautifully done. I believe this again we we found out that this was directed by the same director that did the last episode as well as episode 7 of the series. Which is so weird um, to me because I felt like episodes 11 and 12, especially 12, but 11 too because it was helping to set up 12, I felt were way better than episode 7. Oh yeah, absolutely. 7, if you remember that one, that ends with them on the beach front and that's where Cassian gets caught uh, and that's where I felt kind of discombobulated and where everything was so yeah i think the the 11 12 obviously arc was well done at the end here it had to be you know that this is what and i think that i think they came through i think they actually absolutely came through uh just with with how it all felt cohesive you know we we had all of these storylines like you said come to a convergence in one spot and it felt right. It didn't feel forced. I guess that's the big, big thing. You know, you it made sense that we saw Vel there. It made sense that Luthen was there. It made sense that obviously Cassian uh, was there. Karn, whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, everyone else, you know, we 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 uh, we agree that um, makes sense. But we still that question mark of Karn and Mosk being there. I still. I'm just sure questioning what, what, that a little bit. Here. Honestly, maybe the most uncomfortable scene in the entire show so far happened in this episode towards the end with Karn. Like, and we can maybe, you know, circle back to it if we want, but, um, you know, he, he saves Miro and, and then they just have this really, like, awkward exchange. What does she say? She says something like, I should thank I should, you. I should thank you. I should thank you. <laughs> it's yes. Like so weird. And he and he's waiting. Like he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, you want her to thank you? I I see what's happening here. <laughs> you know. Um, but you could tell. I think what when when things were getting bad and it looked like Miro was about to get hit or get shot at. I can't remember. Oh no, no, it was it was the bomb. Yes, it was the bomb that was thrown. That's when you see Karn take off, assuming that he was going to help out um, Miro. Right. So you knew pretty much right away what his motivation was. I don't think that's his motivation to be there. Maybe it was. I, I you know, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's okay that we're talking about this now because I'd rather talk about this now than later. So let's yeah. just... <laughs> yeah. I, and I think, and we mentioned it while we were live reacting to it, but I think that... Um kind of his role that he'll play in the second season. Uh, I would hope it's an elevated role from the first season, at least this exchange with Miro. Like, clearly Miro is now going to be... I don't... I think it'd be weird if they have them be romantically involved, although it, it very much seems like that's the direction that these two are headed. Um, yes. But I, I think he's definitely going to be kind of, like, brought into Miro's inner circle and be able to right. um, help her. The only problem with him is he's not... As a villain, he's not intimidating. So it's right. like, you know. Yeah, I mean. Why should we fear they, him? They've, they've humanized him. Yeah. You know, they, there was, I mean, to the, up until this point, Miro is still very much a villainous type of character mm-hmm. um, on the Empire, Empire, side, Empire side. But curiously enough, she was very, very um, vocal on how, she, how much she wanted Cassian to stay alive after all of this, which I doesn't really line up with everything that we've seen from the Empire. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. during this during this riot, they let loose on this these villagers 
who basically did not have any way to fight back outside of rocks that were former residents of the <laughs> of, of Ferrix. So and but they but you know they the stormtroopers let loose they were blasters they were super accurate may I add um, <laughs> yeah it was the most accurate we've shots. seen stormtroopers I think ever and yeah so she, her motivations her leadership did not quite line up with what we've seen in the empire up at this point we've seen them you know shoot at villagers defenseless villagers we've seen them electrocute entire floors of prisoners. Um, for her to say, I want him alive, I'm not quite sure the motivation there. Is it to keep him alive to get to Axis? You know, you know, maybe that's why. But um, from the actions that we've seen up to this point, it doesn't quite line up. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably the reasoning. At least that's the reasoning I think we're led to believe, is to get to Axis, like you said. The only other, you know, road of thought, other than the fact that she's doing it for the long game of getting to the person who's really in charge of the operation um that being luthan well we would assume is luthan I, I guess we still don't technically know that luthan is axis mm -hmm. um or that you know the person who the empire or isb thinks is axis is luthan um but the other road of thought that, that could go with miro and we mentioned this during our live reaction is there's just there's moments when i'm like is she working for the empire you mm -hmm. know like there's this long shot that the that she's this rebel spy um, so, you know, that, that's an option as well, I guess, but I think more likely she's just kind of playing the long game for the ISB trying to get to access, like you said. Right. And we've talked about how that gray area is also, is always the most exciting side. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, if it's black or white, you kind of know where people stand, but if it's in that gray area, you, you never know which side they'll end up on. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is a case of that. Yeah, and and I feel kind of the same way about Karn. Honestly, like he doesn't—he's mm -hmm. not really in service to some sort of like greater, you know, good or greater evil. He's kind of just like he wants to impress her. Like that yeah. seems to be his character motivation right now, which right. for a Star Wars show is really weird. And that, I think that's why we have <laughs> such like uncomfortable reactions to a lot of the things he does, because it's like. Why is this in a Star Wars show? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so and I agree. I mean, I, I understand that there is romance in Star Wars. That's fine. Um, you know, we have some great love stories, you know, all, all through the, the trilogies. But... This almost isn't romance, though. It's more like stalkerish yeah, yeah, vibes. You're right. like, I, mean, I think I, that's why it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think the... If it wasn't for their last interaction, maybe yeah. Yeah, it would have been a bit, little bit better. But knowing that happened already right. kind of you know, um, tarnishes the entire idea of it, for, for me anyway. Yeah. I, know, I, I do know that there are people that actually do want that to happen, which is fine. Everyone's <laughs> each, to each their own. But I, I just, uh, for me, yeah, I just, the way that he approached her in the last time that they were interacting together, yeah, I didn't. It's, I that too much. Yeah, it's not so much that I don't want it to happen. It's that I don't know why I should care about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why, why, sure. is this, why is this something that's being, like, kind of not pushed by the show, but, you know, it's clearly a plot point. Like, they had the whole episode, mm -hmm. maybe it was episode eight, seven or eight or something like eight, that, yeah. um, where, you know, he basically confronts her because he's more or less been stalking her. She's like, yeah. if, if you follow me, like, I'll... I'll you know, I don't remember what she says. I don't know if she says, I'll have you killed or you'll never see the light of day yeah. or something like that. Um, but like nothing in that scene, other than this kind of weird visual exchange for, between the mm -hmm. two of them, led us to believe that there would be something more than it was. But I guess right. that's the, uh, the route they're taking. We'll, we'll see how it, yeah. how it ends in the second I, season. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see season two. We'll see what happens in season two. Yeah. Uh, definitely not the most excited piece of season two I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah. Um, that would probably be, for me, just ultimately how the Rebellion begins to form more so as a whole. Um, one thing we should also touch on, which wasn't really, it was more the background of this episode. Um, one of the first episodes of the show, actually, where it felt like Mon Mothma wasn't, uh, like where when she was on screen, I wasn't invested as that as the primary 
story. Oh, right. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that, like the few scenes she was in, it was ultimately like um, learning that her driver was spying on her for the other Imperial officer who's not who's not a fan of Miro. I forget his name. Um, but so Levin's or Levin, I think. Levin, Levin. yeah, that's that's right, yeah. Um, and then so the Mon Mothma stuff in here was kind of just like stringing us along to the second season because there wasn't right. anything of like huge well, consequence. So I I wonder if the and I, I'll have to look. I mean, we only watched it one time, and so I'll have to watch that back. But I wonder if she knew basically that the. I mean, up to this point, she knows the driver is for I for the Empire. She she already knows that up until sure. But I don't think she knows that that her conversation is bugged because when she asks for privacy, that's what well, I mean. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I almost I wonder if that part was. I mean, although true. Uh huh. I wonder if she purposely talked about that oh. at that moment to have some type of explanation to where money is going. Interesting. You know? I didn't even think about because, that. Because because later on they I think they they touch on it when it's Blevin and that driver mm -hmm. where or whoever it was. Oh yeah, I think it was Blevin and the driver and they mentioned like oh maybe that's where money has been moving around. They kind of touched on it a little bit. So maybe that was her motivation to talk about it at that moment. Um because it really seems like uh, Perrin, is that his name? The, the yeah, husband? the husband, yeah. Um, Might have a gambling problem. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that whole thing. Maybe that had, that had happened in the past, and she's just, you know, and he's like, no, actually, I really didn't. <laughs> I'm really not doing this, you know? Yeah, so if it's a ruse, I, did, I didn't get the sense that he was in on it, if this is just something that she's kind of throwing out there to cast suspicion somewhere else. Right, I I think that marriage now is all for show. At oh this yeah, point. you know. So well, yeah, um, and 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 especially in that situation, it's for show for the driver for him to hear this conversation, um, to give her a shot at uh escaping the eyes of the empire. Yeah, and we see the evil banker guy come back at the end of the episode with with his uh, son and his wife, and I mean that's that's evidence of of. I mean, the primary reason why Mon Mothma doesn't want this for her daughter is because she sees how it's turned out for her. You know, her mm -hmm. and Perrin went through the same process through the Chandrelin customs of, you know, being matched up and paired together, probably from a really, really young age. And, you mm -hmm. know, clearly her marriage is not a happy one. Um, right, yes. So, uh, you know, that was how the episode ended. Her daughter kind of had a look of like, oh, cool, you know, he he's, right, a, yeah. he's a handsome kid <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Right, yeah. Um, so I, I think she probably at some point early in season two will either become distant or just flat out estranged or even on the run from her family. Um, or at least I think she'll be forced to. Um, yeah. Wouldn't even be shocked if it's her daughter or her husband who ultimately is the one that reveals something or even turns her in potentially that, that causes yeah. her to have to take that next step of, of fleeing. Um, so, or, Fully joining the rebellion, I guess we could say. Right. Um, and then, of course, back on Ferrix this whole time, which is the the main emphasis of the episode. Um, there is this preparation for the funeral march, if you will, uh, for Marva. Uh, B two emo is there, <laughs> uh, dude. That I love that droid. He. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say he's better than R two, and I wouldn't say that, but. Right. I like. I think I like him more than BBA, and I think I like him more than uh, uh, what was it? Dio. More than Dio, and yeah. uh, more than what's the what's his name in Rogue One? The uh, K2SO. Yeah, yeah, K2SO. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think in my droid rankings, man, that'd actually be really tough to do that. We we yeah, could do that sometime that's too. A video. That's a good. That's a good video. We could there, we yeah. could do an episode of the pod ranking our favorite droids from Star Wars, uh, but he he'd be high up there for me. Maybe right behind R two even. Yeah, it's it's weird having a droid pull on the heartstrings as good as uh, B two emo is doing right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the stutter or just the absolute neediness um that they have for pretty much human interaction that's kind of what it feels like mm -hmm. um that that is an important uh feature of that particular droid i don't know how you put that in the programming but they, right. they nailed it on that one 
he's so he's to, so to, humanistic. To yes, right. And um, you really you really wish the best for him, you know. And that's when we talk about characters, you want it the that you are invested in somehow. In the pretty short time that we've actually seen, you know, the droid, we really connect with him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, B2 Emo, quite the, quite the character. And uh, ultimately helps and allows Marva to deliver this post-death um, uh, monologue or announcement to the people of Ferrix. Basically, like, being the... Uh, she, she refers to Andor as the first spark. In many ways, she's the final spark, uh, which, which, you know, leads this, this march of, of citizens to, to running forward at the, at the riot shields of the... Uh, of the Imperial officers or the Imperial um, soldiers. Yeah. Uh, but before I think we talk about obviously the big like fight scene, the big battle scene, um, a really, really cool moment in this episode is we get information about why Cassian all the way back in episode two, I want to say, or maybe even episode one, why he chose the name Clem to give to um, the Aldani uh, rebels before that before that mission uh, we see this scene where it looks like someone like a childhood mentor uh, and we actually we were watching we, we love watching with subtitles and yeah, uh, right. we saw it on the subtitles before we saw it uh, actually yeah. like visually as part of the episode and you know it said Clem and I was like why are they referring maybe they're going back to Aldani and referring to him as Clem mm -hmm. for the subtitles uh, but then we see you know this man who's building something or, or teaching Andor mm -hmm. about building He's like, don't tell Marva. Cleaning. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, clearly they have some sort of bonds. Um, right. And uh, so, so it was cool. We still don't really know who it is. All that we know right. is his name is Clem. Um, but I, I actually, I, I do have something to admit. So the past, what, three months that we've been watching this show, um, every time we do an episode, especially for, like, the more out there characters, I'll look up a character list, right? And for the longest time, I kept seeing Clem on there. And I was like, why are they listing that as a separate character? Yeah. And now we know. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Actually, they, I believe that he did have a short scene in a previous episode. Did he really? Yeah, just a, it was a flashback episode. It was, um, I can't remember who was talking, but I want to say it might have been Marva or somebody. Because they were talking, I think it was when Marvel was talking about going into the the middle of the town just to i don't know if she was causing havoc or mm. um anything like that or just remember for a time she was not comfortable in there because the empire was there but then she decided i wanted to go to go visit clem or something very similar oh. to that and there was a, then there was a flashback a very short one but it was the one where um i want to say it was it was clem and a bunch of uh, villagers, and then it was the Empire on the other side. And oh, you kind of remember that scene? Yes, but do they yeah, yeah, do, so... do they mention him by name in that episode, or do they call him Clem? I I don't think in that scene they do, but the reference of whoever is talking about it does mention oh. Clem or some point or catch. or maybe or maybe it was a subtitle thing where they say Clem says this or whatever. Uh -huh. So yeah, they they definitely mentioned. We have seen him very shortly in, okay. in, a, in a previous episode, but yeah, I mean, but to have him come up again in this episode, yeah, that was a cool. You test. know, it, it it's a, it definitely helps. Um, one, you know, gives you an idea again, you know, where the name came from, as well as, you know, these are the types of stories that Cassian grew up with. You know, these are the type of experiences he had. He had mentors, like you said. He had Marva. He had this Clem character. Um, he had people watching him all of his life, but um, now that Marva's gone, now that Clem's gone, it's kind of up to him to, you know, either continue that spark or let it die. And uh, see, so we know which way he goes. Yep, yep. Rogue One is a great movie. We gotta, we gotta Rogue re One. I gotta rewatch that sometime great. really soon. So good. Um, another person who who the the episode calls back to, not um visually, but you know, we kind of get this almost like Obi-Wan Kenobi Luke sort of thing coming from Nimic. Uh and I don't know if it's too and or it's more just like a over you know a, a voiceover on the episode but you know mm -hmm. he's talking about like 
what it takes to start a rebellion, like why we start rebellions. Um, talks a lot about oppression. I think I wrote down one of the quotes. I said, he says, oppression is the mask of fear. So this is all part of his like his manifesto that he's that he gave mm -hmm. to Cassian, or I guess technically that Vel gave to Cassian um, right. after after Nimic died. But um, yeah, that was a very cool touch. I, I loved that that piece that they included Nimic because he's honestly he's a, an important character in the formation of of Andor's mm -hmm. uh, motivations. I think. Yeah, and when we were watching when you know they do the. You know, this is what you've missed if you haven't watched the entire season, type of thing. And they had a pretty good portion of Nemec and his death, and so I had an I, I had a feeling that we were going to at least mention him at some point. But his manifesto, the things that he was talking about, how you just need to keep pushing, you yeah. just need to keep trying. And I think that was one of the last things he said. Just said try, mm -hmm. and to to when you are able to keep doing it over and over again from different places, uh, eventually the, there will be progress in all of this. So uh, to hear it from, you know, from his voice, I think it really, you know, although he's not, you know, on the show anymore, um, he's still making that impact. This is what he wanted um, when he was writing the manifesto, uh, when he was part of this rebellion, as you know, as opposed to the, you know, the some of the other members that um god i can't even remember the guy the guy that the guy that kind of that ended up flip-flopping on everybody and he just wanted to steal all the money whatever the dude you know so right um so i think you know to to hear him and to hear marva in the same episode like this you know after their deaths um really gave inspiration i mean i was ready to go go for a run after all that you kidding me let's go you know so it was <laughs> It was inspiring, and I was. Uh, it was good to have that callback. Uh, Skeen, is that who you were thinking of? Skeen, right, right, right. Yes, thank and, you. Isn't that funny? How like the first half of the season, we're like, man, Skeen is going to be a huge part of this show, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, I I totally agree. the The inclusion of Nimic was in that opening uh, cut of what to expect from the episode was was a cool surprise to see for sure. I I do. There's a large part of me that wishes we could have had more of him. But, oh yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm, you know, the, the motivation and the fire that he provides for, for Andor, I think, is um, a really good, really good mechanic that they use in the plot early on in the show. Um, another, and I forget this guy's name all the time, too. Um, you're good at remembering his name because I know this is specifically one I always forget. Um, is it Brasso? Yeah, Brasso, yes. <laughs> um, Brasso is... Um, the guy who kind of is carrying Marva's brick, um, and, and just as a reminder, uh, for on on Ferex they um, they're cremated down, and then their ashes are kind of like mixed together with this uh, this this you know mixture that forms a brick, and then their brick is placed in the road, and that's kind of like part of their funeral rites or their funeral um, ceremony, if you will. And so you know he um, he is involved in this this funeral procession he's the one carrying the brick but even prior to that he's meeting with cassian in secret um, before the the procession has started and he had a really great quote um or technically it was a quote from marva but you know uh, Rosso's talking to cassian he's like i'm so sorry about marva she wanted me to tell you this and he he tells him exactly what she had lined out to say and at the end he says um you know speaking as marva to cassian i love you more than anything uh you could ever do wrong. I was like, wow, that's that's a pretty yeah. powerful line. That's a, that's a mother right there. Yeah, that is a mother. Yeah. Um, and so that that to me is like, all right, like Cassian is is fully on board. He's he's a he's a rebel now. Um, you know, he's got the the fire under him, both from you know Nimic, but I think even more so from Marva, whose whose speech on the on the B two uh, hologram was. Yes, maybe the best part of the show, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it 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 may not be a stretch to say that that was perhaps the most moving moment of the show. Well, let's remember, go leading up into that moment, you had the two paths of you know horns coming through mm -hmm. with the musicians and the procession of all the people, which by the way was definitely more than the forty allotted <laughs> yeah. by the empire. Maybe like four hundred and forty. Yeah, exactly. 
So, um, so there was already a, you know, I even said it during our live reaction. I'm like, there's a lot of suspense here <laughs> because you hear the horns coming down, which I, I think, you know, I think we both said it sounded very familiar. Maybe the Andor uh, theme was kind of mixed into there as well. Uh-huh. Um, but you had that, you had the, the bell ringer ringing the bell the entire time. You've got the slow walking, the, uh, the perspective of all the different people, whether it was Sinta or Vel or, uh, Luthen who was there or Cassian himself. So the, that was building, you was building into this moment. And, you know, when, whenever they do this in movies, you, you, you have, it, you reach this peak, you can't build it anymore. So something has to tip everything over, and that speech is what is what did it. Mm-hmm. Is when uh, the villagers were decided, uh, you know, on Fen- on Ferrix, this is where we make our stand right here, right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was it was beautifully done. I, I'm really excited and, and interested and curious to listen and and read some reactions to the episode last night because it's funny. I feel like as Star Wars fans, we can normally get a pulse on the just the overall community of fans as to what, what the general sentiment will be from the episode. Uh, I would think that people loved this one. This was arguably my favorite episode of the show so far. Um, I, I far and away really, really enjoy this episode, but I'd be, I'd be curious to see if, if others felt the same way. Yeah. And it, it gave us, you know, unlike lost, um, <laughs> <laughs> we love that show. <laughs> uh it gave us i mean i know this is only season one you know it'll keep going on it gave us an, a a nice stopping point for all the characters mm-hmm. you know um whether it was and and i will say this i didn't expect brasso to be as involved as he is right now because he he kind of forgot about him for a good part of the season mm-hmm. and then so i don't know if I, I'm I'm curious about his character and his motivations and how he's going to go through, mainly because there wasn't really much talk of rebellion. I I, I never I, in Vix absolutely right. We kind of knew that right away. But Cassian, of course, but with Brasso, he he kind of seemed like the guy that was the wallflower. He would just blend in, do his thing. You know, is is his involvement purely because of his relationship with Vix and with Cassian? You know. Um, I don't see the fight. I mean, obviously he was fighting in the middle of the, <laughs> in the street mm-hmm. uh, with Marva's brick, by the way, which I thought was great symbolism. I think there's, um, a, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> there's some definite symbolism there. Right. Um, so, but up until that point, I mean, there wasn't really much of it. And maybe, maybe that's okay. Maybe, you know, that's the whole point. Um, a lot of what Marva's speech was about was being asleep. Mm-hmm. We've been asleep this entire time. We've let this all happen right in front of our eyes. Uh, and she said, if I could change it all, I would wake up earlier, you know, and which is basically her, her call to arms to everybody at Ferrix to say, let's wake up, let's fight back, go fight the Empire. You know, she blankly, and, 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 and as that was all happening, <clears throat> excuse me, as that was all happening, I even mentioned, I'm like, why is the Empire just letting them do this? You know, <laughs> surely they understand what she's talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of uh, slept, they, they were the ones sleeping on that. But I'll be interested in Brasso's character going forward, um, just to see his motivation. And even him on the plane, he was hesitant a little bit. He's like, why aren't you coming? Or when he's kind of sitting there laying back, getting ready for the takeoff on the, on the ship there, you get to, there's a little bit of tentativeness, you know? So I'm, I'm curious of uh, what, what is to come with his character. Um, and I'm excited to see... Um, I'm, I'm excited to see Bix out of that you know, that mental state that she's in now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, you know, I think you and I both believe that she's going to be a great asset uh, going forward. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just, it was Marva's, Marva's speech there really just was that tipping point for um, everyone to come, to come together and finally fight back. Yeah, totally agree. What did you think of the the stone and sky, stone and sky when they were chanting that? <laughs> That's very Game I, of Thrones esque too. It felt yeah, like yeah, yeah, right. It is, it is. And I was up until that point, and I even mentioned this. 
<laughs> on our live reaction, I was like, yo, this is a very beautiful ritual and, you know, very, uh, very symbolic and everything. Until they got there, I'm like, this seems like a cult now. I don't know. I just feel a little bit, I'd be worried if I were the Empire and I just started to hear them chanting this, you know. Um, but yeah, but yes, very Games of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones right there. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, it, uh, yeah, I, I loved it though. It's it's part of the these traditions. Like I, I think about that. I think about on Aldani how they had the light show or the you know however I forgot the, what they called it, but that whole ritual that they go through. I love how they're bringing in these you know different planets and their traditions into yeah. Star Wars that you maybe we never really had seen before. Sure, I mean in in you know. Nothing against the the original trilogy because I I absolutely love the original three movies, but um, like that's definitely not something they would have delved into in 1977, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so it is cool to see um, that that perspective or you know that scope with Star Wars, um, like you said, taking a planet and not just having it be the setting where something takes place, but really investing in the culture of the characters on that planet and the rituals and under, I mean, it allows you to understand and, and really gives more meaning to the plot. I think if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, 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 it gives it more depth. It gives us, it, yeah, it makes it's it more, more real. real. Yeah. Right. It's more real. You have, <laughs> we, you know, you have different regions that have these, you know, different values and to, to see it play out. I think it's great for just diversities you know, uh, just to kind of see those, those differences and celebrate them. Yeah, definitely. Could not agree more. Um, something that isn't like, um, wasn't a super big point in the episode because it just kind of like happened. And I was like, Oh, I guess she knows was when Cinta, um, you know, we learned that pretty early on in the episode, she is aware that Corv, I believe is his name, um, is a spy uh, as an ISB spy and not actually, you know, a member of, uh, you know, like a citizen or a rebel uh, on Ferrix. And so um, she confirms this when she spots him with Miro. Uh, and so that was also an early plot point. But I want to talk just briefly about Cinta as well. Um, she, at the end of the episode, it was funny because during the, the fight, the climax of the episode, I was like, where's Cinta during all of this? Because I think mm-hmm. it shows Vel at one point. But it doesn't mm-hmm. show Cinta. This is after they've had a conversation prior to the funeral procession. Um, and then at the end, we see Cinta confront who I'm pretty sure his name is Corv. If if that's incorrect, uh, someone sure someone is. correct me down on the YouTube comments or something. But um, and she actually kind of like backs herself into a corner, and I'm like, why is she doing that? And then you know pulls out the little little knife, and Corv is we would assume no more. Right. One of the early things we learn about Cinta is she's the toughest one of them all. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they said that, I'm like, I, we don't know anything about her, though. And, you know, that was one of the frustrating things when we were all in Aldani was that they they put her in this box. They said she's the tough one. Um, and I'm like, I, we know nothing about her. She doesn't have any lines, and I just want to know more about her. She has proven time and time again that she is indeed the toughest one yeah. that were that came out of Aldani and out of that team. Uh, Vel continues to be a little bit more on the hesitant side, not necessarily being all gung-ho. And maybe that's that balance that those two need, right. that they need to have each other, um, which I, lo- I love the moment that they finally were back together. But you could still see that Cinta was game face that we got to do yeah. this here's what we got to do but vel was much more like hey let's hang out for a little bit you know the mission is all um, that exists exactly you know so um but yeah Cinta's Cinta's so awesome i i love her character now um i mean honestly that's where i was hoping bix would be at this point yeah if I'm, you know if i'm being completely honest but the fact that we have somebody uh that is in that role. That's just kind of like the brute, you know what I mean? Like just the, the person that just goes all in mm-hmm. and just full sends it every single time. Um, and you kind of don't have to really worry about it. She's the stability. She is the rock. 
right. think about it. You you never really when you see Cinta on the screen, you're like, oh, something's about to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> either either you know something bad to the Empire is about to happen right now. So I I think it's it's always good to have that um support that you know stable character where you just look at them and you're like, I know we're good. <laughs> I don't have to worry about anything right here. Um, so I'm glad. I'm glad that she has been so important to the um, the plot point. And in all honesty, hasn't had a ton of screen time if you think about it. Um, in comparison, because she doesn't have a ton of lines. She, you know, there isn't much that she does. But when she, whatever she does, she does it well. And uh, she she is all like you said. She is all about the mission. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think she'll have. Uh, both her and Vel will have a pretty large role to play in the next season too. Um, so again, I, I wish Bix was. I think that's where we thought, like you said, Bix was going to be when the season started. But I think you know, moving forward, it didn't really feel like they were phasing out any of the season one characters. Mm-hmm. It was more like, okay, they're all going to have a bigger role next season, which is a cool feeling to have going into season two. Um, especially another one, I think, which we, I think maybe the only character we haven't really talked a lot about during this episode, um, is Luthen. Um, Luthen, who, by the way, the, the way they kind of showed his story in the episode felt a little weird to me. Like he came to the yes. planet, was like, I'm here to kill Cassian. He tells Vel, like, we gotta, you know, that's when we'll kill him. Um, and then like, it didn't really, he wasn't involved in the battle really that much. And so... Right, he wasn't it, even looking for Cassian. Yeah, it didn't really show him like searching for him, yeah. and then it just ended, right. and he's like, "Well, I guess I have to leave the planet." <laughs> You're like, Wer- "Weren't you trying to kill him a second ago?" I mean, and I mean that, and we made a lot of Darth Maul references <laughs> on the speeder he was on. That had to have been purposeful. The, the, black, the black, the all black um, hoodie that he had on with the hood, and um, yeah, when you create characters or when you have um you know in movies or where you know in movies whoever is wearing the dark colors is normally the bad guy you know and and i i'd like to look back at to see where his wardrobe kind of evolved over the season i don't even if remember it, him wearing was, that that hood at I all never, any other point I never, well right i don't ever remember him wearing that but even just like the color scheme, if it was oh, always like yeah. more of a pastel or a gray, because I'm thinking about when he was in like that art studio, he was never in all black for sure. Right. I think he had very, not, well, I wouldn't say vibrant, but very like toned down colors. Yeah. You know? Same thing when he met but, Cassian uh, early in the show too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, here he is in all black. Yeah. With the hood, very ominous feel to it, and so you you know his motivation there is just all right. Well, he's gonna, and we even mentioned in the live reaction. Yeah, I don't think he makes this out. He makes it out of this episode. Maybe you know, I mean, it got to that point where, um, you kind of knew obviously that he was ready there to kill Cassian, but to to, but we know. So going into that, knowing that we know Cassian makes it out, does does Luthen not? You know. Um, but yet again, you know, he was one step ahead of us this time, <laughs> you know, where, you know, he just needed to hear it. Maybe he just needed to hear it from Cassian, you know, at the end of the episode, either you kill me or take me in. And I would assume take me in would be take me into what you're doing, the rebellion, yeah. you know, um, and that's all he needed to hear for that. I, I feel like that's a pretty harsh way to get that message, you know? Because, I mean, what if Cinta or Vel found him first? You know, you, you could have risked um, losing a huge resource to the Rebellion. Yeah. Um, but Which... it seems like that's, that's, that's how Luthen is, just very, uh, a little bit, little bit extra, if you will. Yeah. Which, also, I'm not convinced fully that, that Cinta and Vel were going to kill Cassian if they found him. Right. I feel like that was more like Luthen telling them something and them being like, yeah, okay, you know, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I mean, I Vel for sure. I don't know about Sinta, though, man. Sinta probably would have done it, yeah. Yeah, Sinta <laughs> would have done it and would have walked away with the explosion behind her, that whole deal, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, I yeah, I think I think Sinta might have done it, but Vel for sure had some conflict with that. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, just overall a great episode. I think we covered most of the important points here. Um, moving into season two, what is your 
biggest or most hopeful expectation for season two? Well, I, I said I was going to share this information that I learned about season two, and it's not a plot point or anything like that, but it's interesting. Um, I learned this from another podcast I listened to, Forced Host Podcast. It's two women who who actually um, live in the Chicagoland area that also do a podcast about Star Wars. And, oh, nice. and they, 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 they know all the stuff. They are very knowledgeable. Um, but I learned from there that they, the episodes are going to do the same thing. They're going to have like three episode arcs. But each arc is a year apart. Oh, which which accounts yeah. for I think we did, talked about that in a previous mm -hmm. episode. We had talked about like a, I think it's a five year time gap between now right. and which makes so much sense. Um, I yeah. wonder if that will take away from the cohesiveness of the season two story. Yeah, I'll be interested in in how they make that work mm -hmm. because it's uh uh right because those are literally I mean you're talking about arcs. I mean that is a isolated arc. You know, yeah. there isn't like how this season kind of moved into the next one. This is year one, year two, year three, year four, right. you know, and then Rogue One. So I'll be interested in that. But knowing that now, um, there's going to be, you would assume that throughout the entire season, there's going to be a lot of progress, right? As far as the rebellion, as far as where things need to be go leading into Rogue One and then ultimately uh, New Hope. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wonder if we see, I wonder if we see Vader. I wonder if we see Emperor. I mean, th these are very real, real, um, entities now in, 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 in this world. Yeah. Um, as much as I've enjoyed the quote unquote non-Star Wars-y type of show that we've seen. Right. Um, to introduce them now, would, I, I think would be fine. You know, you still got Hayden. You still have Ian. I think th these are, um, and I don't, they don't need to be there every episode or anything like that. But, you know, I, I feel at this point you, you've got to be, you, you know, you've got to realize and introduce that, you know, or do we see an Obi-Wan? Do we see, you know, I mean, there's, you know, we are in that timeline now. This is yeah. where we are. So, but I, I, I mean, outside of that, with, with with this group here, you know, the group that left on the ship, and now it looks like Luthen and Cassian are doing their thing. So we've got these two, um, kind of cells that are two groups that we have to keep uh, keep up with. Um, obviously they're gonna. I'm like I said, I'm interested in Brasso. I'm interested in Bix and how they're. And I guess the pilot, I I don't think we've ever seen her. She yeah, kind of popped up out of he, nowhere. He's, I don't think I don't know if yeah. that was her name. It was close to that. Right, yeah. She appeared to be maybe one of the daughters of Ferrix with yeah. her what she was wearing. That's right? what I assumed, yeah. Right. So and of course B2 is on that uh ship as well. So we kind of have that group and then we'll have Cassian and Luthen on the other side, and we still Vel and Cinta are kind of floating around in the middle of her so um my favorite thing about these types of things is when they all meet together. And yes. where they will be, like yeah. mentally, where they will be as far as their their training, and you know where the rebellion will be as a whole, because obviously Mon Mothma, where she gonna? I mean, there's so much that's gonna be have to that'll have to happen in this next season. Um, so it's all except the Karn uh, romance thing. Um, but other than that, I think everything else I'm, I'm just super excited for. Yeah, me too. Just to briefly touch on what you said about the kind of bringing in, you know, um, Force-sensitive characters to the show, what that would look like. I, I feel like, and I, I feel like it would set a precedent um, no matter which direction they choose to go. And I think precedent has, like, too much negative connotation associated with it. What I mean by a precedent is that if they, they choose to include them, they're basically saying, like, yeah, this was a cool idea to have a show that's really not focused on like the force and force sensitive user, uh, you know, people and just like the ev the average everyday person that contributes to the rebellion. Um, mm -hmm. If they add like those force sensitive characters and they're basically saying like, yes, this was cool, but ultimately like we need like what like the right. Star Wars ness that makes it Star Wars, which I wouldn't be mad about it. But I think at this point, if we haven't seen it, I would almost take the take that it would 
take away from the show too much. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that, though. The, the one exception to that, I, I, I highly doubt we see, um, you know, Vader, unless it's, at, you know, at the very, very end of season two, kind of as like a special, you know, like, yeah. there he is, as like something that's not super consequential to the plot. Um, I could see them doing something like that. The one other exception I think would be the Emperor in a non, like, Emperor. In a non Sith yeah. way, you know, as, yeah, as yeah, the right, politician right. more so than yeah, like yeah. the. I think that's a real, real possibility in season two. Um, but as a whole, I think it may actually take away from the show, um, especially if they include that early on in season two. Right. Yeah. So. And yeah, and and as much as and here's here's the realistic view of movies, TV, and all that. I don't know where this is as far as like numbers goes. I have no idea. I, I don't I don't look into that stuff. But I know within like, you know, the the Star Wars groups that I'm kind of a part of, yeah, we're definitely excited. We like the show and some you know, it was kind of slow to start, just like what you and I was discussed. Mm -hmm. But if we talk about the casual fans, and this is not gatekeeping in any way, <laughs> um, are they watching this? Are they watching this show? You know? Um, or do or did they watch the first three episodes and say, "Oh, not for me," you know? Sure. So, so I I wonder if 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 they will say, "Hey, you know, we need to get more people, more eyes on this." Like I said, I have no idea what the numbers are. So, the reality is, if they need they need to bring in the closer, they need Vaughn. You bring in Vader. You bring in um some force sensitive users. You bring lightsabers. You bring moving stuff. You 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 bring in moving rocks around. Yeah. Um. And that's just that's what sells. So hopefully, I mean, from a creative standpoint, uh, I've very much enjoyed this entire series. Um, there were some slow parts as we've talked about. Um, but I I think we we're at a point now, like you said, if they were to just throw it in, like episode one of Vader fight, <laughs> whatever, you'd be like, it would just. What? <laughs> yeah, like what? Why? Why here? Why now? You know, um, and I hope that's not what happens. But like I said, they could always they could always go to the well with that, mm -hmm. and um, I think we would be fine with it to some extent. But then, from a creative standpoint, you're like, oh, you, it kind of cheapened everything. You didn't need to go there quite yet. You know, that is why Rogue One was so good because it really and I, th this is why I came up with this is because that's what Rogue One was Rogue One was completely about the rebels and their journeys um, particularly with Jin Erso and you know everything with her father and you know, so the, the, the Death Star how we got you know how how they even came to know how what the the um, um, liabilities were with her how to destroy it but at the very end, the last scene, you see Vader cutting up some rebels. Yeah, you know? gotta give um, you a little little sprinkle, a little taste at exactly, the end. Exactly, you know, this is but because that's the reality of this universe mm -hmm. is that somewhere there's always going to be a lightsaber. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and just do not be there when it happens. So I I wonder, you know, hopefully not early on, like you said, but you know, either make mention of it or something. Uh. They are, like I said, in the timeline now that they would be in the right space to do it. Hmm. Well, um, final thought, final question. I think you know uh, what's coming your way. What uh, grade, what ranking would you give the episode? A plus. I'm going to give nice. the best one. Um, mainly because, like I said, it, this is... a. This was a satisfying, satisfying season one finale for me. Yeah. Um. We it got it hit on all the points. It dangled some things at the end. It gave a killer post credit scene. Yeah. Which we didn't even which talk we didn't about. even talk about yet. Yeah. By the way, yeah. if anyone watched the episode and didn't watch the post credit scene, there is a ten second post credit scene. Go watch it. I don't want to give too much away, but there is a pretty large, um reference to the original trilogy in that 10 yes. second scene so super super cool to see if you know you know Pause what i'm talking this about right now yeah go watch that come back right here exactly <laughs> uh but yeah that was awesome too but but a plus yeah. huh 
Yeah, A plus. You know, you know, and to to give it away, yes, the Death Star at the last post credit scene was kind of the building with the little spider droids i've never seen those yeah they look like miniature versions of the things that attack anakin's uh uh uh, cruiser or or not cruiser his uh his His x-wing on or i don't know if it's an x-wing it's not an x-wing but yeah um, you know what i mean his his ship on starfighter starfighter yeah on uh in episode three at the very beginning of that movie it was like miniature versions of those so that was cool yeah yeah so it was basically seeing the, the uh, construction of the what seems to be the final pieces. Yeah, like the laser the, the portion, star. sort of. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, A+. Plus. Um, I, I loved where everything went. I was inspired by the speeches. Um, the cinematic feel of all of it was was exactly what... And I was going in... Honestly, I was going into this not not expecting this. I wasn't expecting what I felt when I got, you know, uh, mainly because of what we've seen up until this point, it didn't really have this feel. This was a very different tone, um, this entire episode and where it was really kind of going on a high, you know, the entire time you were going up, you were going up, you're going up where there was a lot of lower, you know, I wouldn't say dull moments. They were necessary moments, uh, within, uh, the series, but there were a lot of there was a lot of dialogue. There was a lot of <laughs> kind of stuff uh, where it was important, great acting scenes, but not necessarily you know getting the heart rate going. Yeah, the way they filmed this one, you, my heart rate was probably like sky high the entire time, <laughs> just waiting, just waiting for something to happen. So I, I very much enjoyed it. Easily the, my favorite episode of the series, and um, more importantly, gives me hope and excitement for season two for sure. Yeah, I would agree. It was also my favorite episode of the series. I have just a little bit of, I guess, a little bit more cynicism with my grading. I, I would probably go with just a, what if I just was like, I'm going to go D. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? No, my I'll, favorite episode of the season, D. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll go with an A. Um, I think the one thing that really, st- like, kind of, it didn't run me the wrong way, but just kind of stood out in the episode is like, why was that that portrayed that way? Um, was the whole Luthen sequence. Like, I didn't really yeah. understand his role in the episode very well, other than the very end, which I thought was very important, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that reason, I'll go A instead of A+. plus. But, um, yeah, like we said, my favorite episode of of the entire season of the show, um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I, really, really beauty, beautiful, moving monologues um, from Marva and then a shorter one from, from uh, Nimic as well. Probably for me, what ultimately makes this my favorite episode is those two monologues. They're very impassioned. Um, they're important to understanding the rebellion as a whole and, and Andor's character. And so um, I'm going with a with a solid A. But Luthen Luthen's role redeemed itself at the very very end of the episode. I will say so. Um, all in all, really really good episode. And like you said, I think season two is going to be great. Um, another thing I should mention is that as at the time of this recording on November 23rd, if you have not seen any of Andor uh, and you, for whatever reason, don't have a Disney Plus account, um, the first two episodes of Andor will be showing tonight at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC. They'll be showing tomorrow night, uh, Thursday, November 24th, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, everyone. They will also be showing at 9 p.m. Eastern on FX. And then on Friday, November 25th, they'll be showing the first two episodes on Freeform at 9 p.m. Eastern. And if you don't have any of those or you don't have a cable TV subscription and you have a Hulu account, they'll be showing um, all or both of those episodes will be available on Hulu starting today all the way until December 7th. So really cool kind of crossover from uh, Disney to kind of get this content out in front of other eyes. That way they can maybe draw more people in to watch the rest of the show on Disney plus. So yeah, um, absolutely. Go watch it, go watch it. It's available on other platforms now, uh, rather than just uh, Disney plus catch it on Hulu. If you're, if you're interested, uh, like us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as always, if you have any thoughts, comments or questions regarding star Wars or otherwise, you can always either email us off hangout at gmail.com with your uh, questions or thoughts, as well as tweet at us at Hoth Hangout over in the Twitterverse. And um, always catch us live. Uh, uh, not live, but catch the recordings, I should say, 
of both our reactions uh, as well as our podcast episodes here on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or anywhere you get your podcasts. We really appreciate you listening or watching if you're uh, on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hope you're doing well. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you all. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't yet subscribed and you want to do that, we would really appreciate it. That would mean a lot to us. And uh, yeah, hit the subscribe. And uh, we are looking forward to a fun month of December. Uh, while we are there, while there will not be a ton of Star Wars uh, new content coming out, we have some fun ideas for podcast episodes. So stay tuned in the coming weeks. Uh, we should be back with another episode next week. Uh, we can let you know maybe over on Twitter before that episode goes live, what that will all entail. But um, as I said, appreciate y'all for listening, for watching. Lots to be excited about, both with Andor Season 2 in the future, as well as Ahsoka, Bad Batch, Mandalorian, and so much more. We look forward to covering and talking about it all. Joey, any uh, last thoughts before we sign off for this final uh, podcast episode covering the first season of Andor? Fight the Empire! <laughs> Fight the Empire! Stone and Sky. Stone and Sky. What was the other one? It was, uh... It was, uh... uh <laughs> not Adrenaline. It was, uh... uh oh, Serotonin there. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It wasn't Serotonin. It was, uh... No, no, no. It was, uh... It was the other, the other brain hormone. Uh, dopamine! That's what it was. Dopamine! <laughs> dopamine! Nice. Well, uh, again, we appreciate you all. And uh, thanks for listening. May the force be with you.